Oh, so we got a couple of newlyweds here. So good. What a great ministry. Um, anybody ready for Mardi Gras? It's Mardi Gras. Anybody gone to parades already? Cleopatra, anybody? Okay. I'm kind of done with Mardi Gras. I'm actually leaving town for Mardi Gras. I'm going on a beautiful pilgrimage opportunity. So I'll be praying for you all. Um, the gospel today is, is a little bit of a challenge, I think, for us. And in general, just the message of like getting on to the wavelength of God. Bear with me, but if you notice the story as it happens in Christ's ministry, it's the beginning. This is Mark chapter 1. It's Capernaum in Galilee. And there's been great success. He's been preaching. He's been casting out demons recently, healing the sick, like a lot of the sick coming to him. And the story starts off as the word is spreading. And we don't know what the morning looked like, but he heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then after sunset, they start to crowd the door of Simon's house. Just try to picture the mob, the chaos, everybody wanting to see him. So like from some like darkness, like 5 p.m. until who knows, you know, maybe 9, 10 p.m. when they finally like there's no street lights, so they kind of have to go home. And that kind of picture, like our Lord doing all the good things that he's doing, healing, touching, cleansing. You had lepers, maybe everyone kind of staying away from the lepers. You had those who were lame and couldn't walk, the deaf who couldn't hear, the mute who spoke funny, and like so many other things. Maybe someone with a runny nose. I don't, I don't know. But like our Lord was just doing all these great things. And at the end of it, he's exhausted. Though the apostles are exhausted. Although I kind of picture the apostles maybe also kind of excited thinking about tomorrow's prospects. And the gospel tells us that rising very early in the morning. Now, for Father Steve, 7 a.m. is kind of early. Just kidding. But for our Lord, it says before sunset. The sky is not even awake. Okay? It's like 4.30 a.m., give or take. Our Lord goes out by himself to some deserted place. And he's alone with his Father in prayer. And it seems like as the story continues, imagine maybe by 6.37 a.m., the line's starting to form again at Simon Peter's house. There's excitement, there's the hustle and the bustle, and like one of the chosen episodes, all of a sudden, the apostles are like, hey, have, have you seen the rabbi? Do, do you know where he is? No? Wait, do you, anybody know? Have you, have you all seen Jesus? And they start, it says, to go in pursuit of him, looking for him. I imagine them looking all over town. I don't know how they found him. It says he was in a deserted place. Maybe one of the early fishermen had seen him. Yeah, some guy went out off to the woods over there. So they find him. Now imagine Simon Peter's relief. Thank goodness. Lord, everyone's waiting for you. It's great. They're so excited. They're calling for you. We're going to put your name in lights. This is going to be a great setup for you. Great headquarters. You are set here for life. But the Lord doesn't give the answer I would have given. I would have said, good, put the collection baskets out. Let's get going. It's time to do some good. Our Lord says after being in prayer for hours, let us go away to the other neighboring towns. For to them also I must preach the gospel. For this purpose I came. Now for me, I think we need to pause here. And I often, when I read this gospel, I often get stuck on this part. Put yourself in the shoes of the apostles. Wait, what? We're not going back? Why? Why would you leave now? 
I put myself today, in my meditation earlier, it was like, I'm number five in line at Simon Peter's house. I got there super early, thinking I'll be the first one. I'm number five. And I'm waiting, 6.30, getting excited. I've been waiting for my, my loved one who's with me. They're going to get healed. I've heard this guy can heal anybody. He healed a bunch of people yesterday. I'm excited. I've got my four-year-old sick daughter in tow. The doctors have told me she can't be healed. I'm waiting, 7.30, 8 o'clock. I'm struggling. My excitement's kind of draining. My, my four-year-old's out of line. And then the rumor starts. He's not coming. Wait, what? Wait, he left already? What do you mean? Just kind of get into that reaction a little bit, which I think would be our reaction. Because it doesn't seem to fit human logic. Why would you do that? It's hard to understand sometimes God's decisions. I kind of put myself in the heart of Jesus a little bit. You know, maybe it was an easy decision. Sure, no problem, Father, let's go. Moving on to the nearby towns and villages. But it says he was in prayer for hours. Long time. Before sunset to sometime after sunset. Maybe it was hard for the heart of Jesus, the human heart of Jesus, to trust in the Father's will in the moment. To leave. Maybe he made some friends there. Maybe he was getting established there. The fruits were growing. The rumors were spreading. It was a good thing happening. The seeds were hopefully finding good soil. Maybe he prayed a long time for himself to embrace the Father's will. Maybe, maybe he prayed for Capernaum, the city, the townspeople, those he had met yesterday. Lord, may their Father, may their faith not fail. May the seeds find good soil. May they, may they persevere amidst the difficulties that may come. So I don't know, for me, it's just kind of an invitation, invitation to sit with that, that tension, that struggle. God's ways are not human ways. His logic is not our logic. Today we do live in a society and amidst a lot of media that do seem to emphasize, maybe overemphasize and overdramatize the humanity of the church. The corruption of some people, the scandal, the why behind decisions that are made, the conspiracy theory or, or whatever else, the political politics in the church, the liberals or the conservatives, who made what decision, why is the church going this way, why is the archbishop making that decision, why are we closing this church, but it's not fair that we're not closing that church. And we get stuck in the human logic that we imagine is behind a lot of decisions that we see. We undervalue in the media, the media tends to obscure the divinity in the church, the trust in the Holy Spirit. We say, well, what's behind this decision? And we forget that ultimately the Holy Spirit is behind every decision in the church. We get caught up in the human level. We, we focus on what we like or get caught up in what we don't like. We dislike that decision. The Lord works in ways that don't understand. He challenges our faith in Him and our faith in His church, His bride, human and divine. I was thinking, as, as Merlin was sharing before Mass started, all these great opportunities, tremendous opportunities for women, for men especially. He was focusing on the men's ministries that are abundant today, that were not around a few years ago. People have stepped up to offer these opportunities and lots of other opportunities. We've got a Theology of the Body retreat going on for our middle schoolers. So many things happening. So many seeds being sown. We think about our Lord a little bit, how He worked. He had done such great things. He had preached. He had done some miracles to prove His message. He had planted the seeds. But then He left. He said later to the apostles, one sows, another reaps. He'd been trying to open their hearts 
to the Holy Spirit, trying to encourage their faith in who he was and the fact that the kingdom of heaven was already in their midst. Whether he is there physically or not, he wanted their faith to persevere. And by the way, in this story, he just leaves, but ultimately, we know the end of the story, he rises from the dead, and then he ascends into heaven, and he leaves, hoping and praying and working that the seeds would bear fruit. Seeds of our commitment to the kingdom, to work for the kingdom, to spread the word to others. We do know, we pray that those seeds of Capernaum would bear fruit. We know that the church later on would reap the harvest, the fruits of his efforts. The Holy Spirit, through the church, would be the one reaping those fruits. We give thanks for that. But that's how our Lord worked, and he followed that divine command, that the Father's invitation to move on, and he trusted I always get stuck on this gospel because it always comes, it's every three years, right? Three-year cycle. So you're always reading this gospel around the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is around February. I mentioned in my letter that I wrote, did y'all read my letter, by the way? Did y'all read my letter? I sent a letter. I gave you a letter. It was in the bulletin a couple weeks ago. And there was one little paragraph. We were, we were obviously thankful for a lot of things, but I mentioned that I've been spending a lot of time this past year aware that this is the end of my six-year term here. Not sure what's coming next. I'm, I'm, I'm praying, and I've been praying, to be open to whatever God has in mind. It's been a lot of prayer. I say that because we all want to get on the right wavelength for these things. Our Lord, like Jesus, our Lord is showing us in Jesus, in these moments we need to pray. To really pray. For hours he prayed. We want to get on his wavelength, on the spiritual level behind the scenes. Our Lord would say to St. Peter, stop thinking as human beings do. You need to think as God thinks. When I was in Slidell, I'll share with you all, six years ago this reading came up again. And it changes a little bit, but February, March, that's the time when the Archbishop is talking to the priests and the pastors, getting some input, trying to make the right decision. Whatever. So I knew around this time that I was probably leaving Slidell. I'd been there for three years and I loved Slidell, loved Our Lady of Lords community. And he made, gave me the, the news and, and I was praying with it, struggling with it, struggling with it. And then this was the gospel on Sunday and I'm trying to preach some message and I'm totally getting choked up. Because they didn't know yet. The news comes out in the next few, like six weeks, I think. But it's tough and it's, it's just real. Like in hindsight, we might sit there and say, wait, what's the Archbishop doing? Why is he doing it that way? If I were the Archbishop, I would do it this way. And we get stuck on the human level. Six years later, personally, I'm kind of glad and grateful for the decisions that were made that at the time I might have struggled with. I mean, I know some of you are like, finally, we're going to get a priest who has 45-minute Sunday Masses. Can't wait for that. We don't know. We really don't know. The decisions are not made yet. I could renew my term. We'll see. I do know that there are other needs out there. And I just, my point is like, learning from our Lord, now is the time, and we're invited to enter into a time of prayer, real prayer to get on the spiritual level as best we can. Look, our Lord was working to connect the people not to himself in the physical presence, but towards their docility, connecting them to the Holy Spirit, connecting them to the church community in which the Holy Spirit would continue to carry them forward. He wanted their docility, their commitment. What a tragedy. Think about Capernaum. What a tragedy. If all that work, 
the preaching, the miracles, the signs, the great opportunities that were there. What if the people at the door of Simon Peter's house had gotten the news that, wait, he's not coming back? What? I've waited all this time? All right, I'm done. I quit. That was a waste. I'm out. And there had been no fruit. What a tragedy. It's real. Our Lord has entrusted a lot to our free decisions, but he wants our trust in him and our commitment to him, to his way, his truth, his life, his community, and the kingdom at work through it. So whatever decisions may be made in the next six weeks or so, five to six weeks, we need to pray. Pray for Holy Family. Pray for the Archdiocese. You know, I think about Holy Family. St. Anthony has to make some decisions. St. John and St. Gertrude have to make some decisions. The Archbishop has to make some decisions for all of these. We pray for that discernment. That the Lord would provide for his church. Pray for the shepherds of the church, the priests, that they would take advantage. Pray for the seminarians to take advantage of their formation because it's needed. May they not waste the formation that they're being given. We pray for the Lord to provide good shepherds for his whole church, every place of his church, every part of the kingdom. When you go to night prayer, this is great. You can pray for your, you know, pray for mom, dad. When I was growing up, you pray for mommy, dad. God bless mom, dad. Emery, Mary Kay, Jay, Billy, Susie, Beth, John, Steve, Lynn, and Katie. That's how I learned my siblings' names. But we pray for your families. And you might add a prayer. Lord, please pray. We pray with you. Pray, Lord, grant us what we need in our church community. Take care of our church community. Provide for our church community, Lord. And I'll leave off with this. In a few minutes, we're going to receive Holy Communion. It's a beautiful image of it, communion, that, that heart-to-heart of best friends, heart-to-heart talking, maybe romantically, like heart-to-heart. And you invite our Lord in when you receive Him, and you share with Him the burdens you carry on your heart. Do it. Lord, I, I'm grateful for these blessings in my own life. I'm praying for the concerns on my heart, the needs of my family. But also, get onto His wavelength. What is His heart carrying? Lord, With you, I pray for your people. I pray with you for the good of your church, my brothers and sisters, your children whom you love so much. May none be lost, Lord. May there be shepherds, good shepherds, well-trained shepherds for your sheep. Lord, I pray for that. I pray for more shepherds, more young people to offer their lives to be shepherds of the sheep. But I pray with you, in you, through you, Lord Jesus, to the Father. Because this is something that really weighs on your heart. May it also weigh on my heart. May that be my prayer. May we go on that deeper level of faith. May we get away from the human logic, the politics, the opinions, the speculations, whatever. But really realize the church is very much in our hands. Who is the church? Father Steve, the pastor, Archbishop? No, it's it's all of us. Who's the church of the Holy Family? The people who grew up in Luling? Or even some people who didn't grow up here and don't know what Hanville colors are? I mean, they probably know by now, but blue and white, right? No, they're not blue and white, desert boy. Who's the church? The holy ones or the not-so-holy ones? The ones who are here every Sunday or those who miss a few and try their best? The ones who are involved in the PSR or those who are on the sidelines trying to find a way in? Everyone. It, it's for all of us. And we need to be a part of it We need to listen to the invitations of the Holy Spirit to do our best to commit to what our Lord is doing in our actions, in our talents, our time, our treasure. But especially now, I invite you to a time of prayer over the next few weeks. Pray for the church. The church especially of New Orleans.
of this area for all the decisions that need to be made. Please, Lord, give Father a little more time here in Lily. Or, Lord, please help us to realize how great the needs are here and elsewhere and give us the one that you know we need. Open our hearts to trust. Jesus, I trust in you. May our Blessed Mother intercede for us. You know, she prayed a lot. Watching how much her son suffered for his church, she prayed a lot for the church as her own family, her own children. May we feel that same desire to intercede and pray for our brothers and sisters, the whole church of Christ. Amen? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph.